transmitting to you from Old Heart Radio. everybody (laughs) (laughs) okay we're just gonna roll with it here do your intro (laughs) hi everybody welcome to matinee edition number 106 hey so things are switching up a little bit here why are you laughing at me i think i'm doing a good job you're doing a great job things are switching up um we just felt like matinee edition and amateurs was we were talking about the same things yeah we wanted to talk about the same things um so we are sort of combining we're gonna do one week on with lucas and jared one week on with lucas and me yeah i was joking about how i got a promotion because now i'm the host yeah you are the host and kate's out here killing the intro yeah except for that blooper (laughs) that i'm going to leave in okay um No, uh, yeah, so we're going to do mostly reviews on this iteration, and then when I'm with Jared, we're going to do a lot of news and, like, breaking down, like, some of the geekier shit that we think's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll leave, definitely have some news at the end of this one, some crazy shit's There's happening with Comic-Con. Yeah, we got some cons going on, and some, lots of stuff's being dropped. Some comics of the con. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment, but first, Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, so Thor came out... To mixed acclaim. I was very excited about it. Oh, I thought that like the branding of it was very fun, and I was excited for Jane to come back. Yes. Um, I want to quickly ask, in the grand scheme of the MCU, yes. where does this one land for you? Because it's rated second from the worst. And we watched... On what list? On, um, I think, not Metacritic, but like CinemaScore. Like the only one wor- worse rated is Eternals, which I sort of already think. Oh, is bullshit. I'm surprised. I thought Thor: The Dark World would. That's be... the lowest on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And but whatever, where does it fall for you? We watched all the movies in the MCU like about a year ago, and we're completely up to date. Okay. Well, it's hard for me to categorize things so concretely, but, but... Like, give me like a, another Marvel film that it lands near in quality. It's it's lower for me. Yeah. I think it's definitely lower than Ragnarok by like oh, a lot. Yeah. Um, Ragnarok's top tier for me. I don't know what movie it would compare. Maybe I, like an Ant Man. I think Ant Man the Wasp. I really yeah. like. It. I really I fucking love the first Ant Man movie. I also like Ant Man and the Wasp though. I, I but it's, it's it's a like but like uh, there's not as much magic there. Yeah. You know? Maybe, but like, I feel like it's doing a genuine disservice to compare this to Thor The Dark World or The Incredible Hulk. Those are bad movies. Okay, I don't even, or even count like The Incredible so, Hulk. So bad that we skipped watching them. Yeah, we started The Dark World and I could not, I couldn't do it. Yeah. 
And then you, uh, we also didn't watch Doctor Strange because we'd seen it too many times. Oh gosh, we saw it. For some reason, we just kept going to see it because our friends wanted to go. And, and we were I, just there. I was done with it. We, but do you think it's, that's a good barometer <laughs> because we've seen it so many times. Better than Doctor Strange 1 or worse or right about the same? I think, oh gosh. Well, I, say I, I just haven't seen Doctor Strange in how, I mean, how many years has it been since it came out? We, it was right when we started dating. Okay, <laughs> so like six years? Yeah. I think that Doctor Strange might be higher really? for me. So this is like low. Mine's like low mid. Okay, well, let's start with what we like about it. So I think one thing that has been a total consensus is that Gore the God Butcher is awesome. Yes. I know. Hot take. Christian Bale is a good actor. Great actor. The movie starts with him. And I thought that his little like intro at the beginning of the film was like actually very effective. Yeah. Very sympathetic. I I really was excited about the sort of benevolent God. Full spoilers, by the way. Oh, yeah. You're going to be spoiled. By the benevolent gods and then this, like, human who is like, well, you haven't done in- anything malevolent? for us. Malevolent? Mal- malevolent or benevolent? Benevolent. Like, they... Does that uh, mean good? Like a benefactor? Let me do a Malevolent. Quick... No, I thought benevolent meant, like, they... Latin. Mal means bad. No, like, they are, like, aloof and don't care and... Am I like totally getting? I think this you're. Wrong? I think you're mixing up the two. Benevolent. This is gonna be maleficent. Look oh. Okay, I was using the completely. You're using wrong the opposite one. You're using the opposite one. Word. <laughs> what I meant was God's being bad. <laughs> they don't care. Yes. Which is they the, don't care about like the people who they preside over yeah. and. Gore's whole thing is that he was fucked over by a god that he committed his existence to. Yes. His whole... His, was it his whole planet? Was yeah. like suffering. They were dying of yeah. like hunger and thirst, whatever. And this god was doing nothing yeah. to Sitting help in them. an oasis. Even though they like worshipped him and yeah. um, did a lot of stuff in his name and whatever. Um, it sort of implied that he was like the last one. Yeah. He and his daughter and his daughter Died. dies. So sort of. he's like very angry obviously um i thought that was a really interesting theme especially because we see thor as such a good guy yeah i was like okay maybe we're gonna see thor and sort of like i don't know like have some canuppance for his actions or something like that which didn't really happen yeah but that's what that's what that that intro was setting up for me we'll get into the some spoilers towards the end of this i think that that is coming to a point Okay, well, yeah, because... We'll get there, we'll get there. Thor, as we learned by the end of the movie, is not over. There's going to be some more... There's going to be some more stuff. We're getting into spoilers. Like, Well, I mean... We're if you're watching and expect... I mean, listening and expecting no spoilers, uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So... But I think... Anyway, great villain. I think... The, the themes that were initially set up by Gore are great. I even, don't think they're fully executed on, though. Even though this movie is lower for me on the list, the villain... Is like high on the list. I know, I know. I'm, enough that I've seen it memed. Like I've been seeing a ton of memes about like 
it like the the it's a screen grab of gore like smiling and uh-huh. drooling it's like when your movie's critically panned but everyone loves you in it yeah i just like ugh, having a good villain makes such a difference in a movie and this is my this is my uh not directly but this is my the king's man argument where mediocre movies can have be completely saved by just a couple things. I just thought he he was genuinely like intimidating, yeah. and I you know it's hard to have gods have consequences. Yeah, and so he was a, a really good antithesis to yeah what we've seen from Thor and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, other positives. I feel like Jane was good. Some of the stuff was like i feel like some of her dialogue was iffy like natalie portman wasn't completely comfortable with the improv well i think that goes with one of our cons which was that we can talk about it a little bit more later but i didn't think that this film was on par with ragnarok in terms of comedy i agree and it yeah natalie portman performing some of the comedic lines felt kind of awkward yeah and that's i don't think that was necessarily her fault She's a great actress. She's though, a great so. actress. She's but improv isn't for everyone. But I don't know if it, it was, it was improv, I think. strong improv. Oh, okay. That's like a that's like a corner. That's like a touchstone of Taika Waititi stuff. Anyway, apparently Ragnarok had such a thin script that it well, was like maybe that was the issue. Maybe that was it. I, I I don't really think I've seen Natalie Portman in many comedies where you're not really uh, where they're, they they seem more scripted. That seems like her thing. She's yeah. a great performer. Um. But I enjoyed having Jane back, yeah. and I appreciate they sort of do a flashback sort of thing where they talk about how their relationship ended eight years ago. And I actually I liked it. I liked it, and I thought it just filled a gap that they had because you know Thor just shows up at a movie and he's like, "Yeah, we broke up," and it was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's a good retcon. Yes. Yeah. And some t- those can be so bad. I so I thought it was good. And it was comedic. And it was very, like, humanizing. Yeah. And it, it was good. Yeah. I also was excited to see this storyline for Jane. Because you had told me about it. Of, yeah. Which of, they were, like, honest to goodness on. Yeah. So. Like, she gets cancer. And the only thing that can save her is Mjolnir. And yeah. she has to, like, hold it. Or else she keeps slowly dying. Or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was really exciting. Um, well, I think, and I think one of my pros is that when, I actually think the third act is very strong. Like, a lot of the failings of the film come earlier on. But yeah. when, like, shit really hits the fan and the stakes amp up, I feel like the comedy, which wasn't working for me at most points, falls away. There's, like, one joke, one big joke in the third act. Fuck it, we're doing spoilers. Thor giving his powers to all the kids for a minute so they can fight all the monsters. I thought that was good. That was good. But that was like the only real joke during that chunk of the movie. But, okay. And like, but I did really like Gore being before eternity and he's about to kill all the gods. Get his wish. And Thor being like, no, I'm gonna, this is the woman I love. I'm gonna be with her. Like, this is it. Like this, there's that. Like I thought that was, I thought that was great. I thought that was getting to the root of that relationship that by the end of the film I'd sort of bought into, despite its failings. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Thor and Jane's relationship was kind of weird. It felt fast. Yeah, they they 
meet up once Jane is the mighty Thor. Yeah. And Thor is like shocked and yeah. he's so confused and he has a bit of like somewhat, I don't know, an identity crisis a little bit. Yeah. Which not, it seems like that. Not as serious on. though. Not as serious, but. I did like the montage of him working out. Speaking of crisis Okay, we didn't. Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, they get back together really quickly. Yeah. And it's that, there's a meme on like book talk that's like, when you get to the like last, you're like two thirds of the way into the book and you're like, okay, they're happy and in love, but there's still a third of the book left. Yeah. And I mean, that can work and it's, I mean, but you just know something bad's going to happen. Yeah. And so spoilers, like Jane doesn't make it. She dies. Yeah. And she goes to Valhalla. She goes to Valhalla. So we might not be seeing the, the end of her or Heimdall, but I, yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. It felt quick, which I sort of want to, some of like our gripes with it could actually be due to some of the apparent uh, like fucking around that Marvel did in the editing process. So apparently this movie was supposed to be like two hours, two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. It clocks in an hour 50. They cut 40 minutes from the expected runtime. See, yeah. That- and you can tell with Valkyrie specifically. Valkyrie doesn't do shit in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't do a lot. And I think that you can tell there is a boat scene where they're on a boat and Jane and Thor like reconnect. Yeah. And it happens really fast. And I feel like there was a chunk there in between that we completely missed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I sort of had watching it in the theaters. I was like, something was cut. Yeah. Because this just doesn't feel like a right buildup. Yeah, the pace felt wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like, and I mean, what what I found what I found frustrating, and this is sort of said in because I was actually very positive when we left the theater. Mm. I had I, I, in the grand scheme of things, I enjoyed it. Yeah. My my usual threshold is, do I feel scammed out of a ticket? And rarely I do I. No, I don't feel scammed. But my my biggest gripe is that this film just was not funny. Yeah, that's the most important thing. It just wasn't funny. And they gave away so many good jokes in the trailer yeah, that I think ones. I would have laughed out loud at. But the because I'd already seen them. I also sort of fucked you over a bit. Why? I told you Melissa McCarthy played Hella. In the oh, recap. gosh. I would have howled if I didn't know that. <laughs> that was so funny. That was, I felt terrible. <laughs> it was, which actually, because of that, I'm purposely going to restrain myself now. Well,. But like I, there's some there's some Loki stuff I've seen that I'm actively not telling you. Okay. Well, I'm just disappointed that they. But like the the Star Lord bit where he's like leaning to look, keep making eye contact with Star Lord. Yeah, that's funny. That's fucking hilarious. Like it's good physical comedy. The funniest thing that they didn't show in the trailers was. Oh God. The <laughs> so Thor has his axe. But then he's like reconnected with Mjolnir because of Jane. And so they have like a gel, like the hammer's like jealous that Thor is trying to, he kind of starts trying to pick up Mjolnir again. And the axe gets jealous and there's just a frame where like the axe is like sneaking behind him as he's like talking to Mjolnir or something. That was funny. That's fucking hilarious. But there's a lot of stuff that's just like, like. You know what? The goats. (laughs) 
You know what I feel like the from a more dramatic context that would have given it a bit more weight. I feel like one thing that they absolutely missed from the actual Mighty Thor like storyline mm-hmm. is that Thor becomes unworthy for some reason. He can't lift up Mjolnir, but Jane can. Right. In this movie, they did it where... He's still worthy. He spoke to Mjolnir when he and Jane were dating and said, like, always protect her or something. And so that's why Jane is able to pick up the hammer. Which also, that's an gripe. Sort of cheapens Jane being a hero. Yeah, that's... Okay, it's so... This is what's frustrating to me. Is like, I thought Jane as the Mighty Thor was so cool and exciting. Yeah. Because I'm always down for more female heroes. Yep. And I was kind of pissed that she died. Just yeah. because we... I know that she's not, like, really dead. Whatever the hell she's doing in Valhalla. Appar- apparently... They have no plans to bring her back. I guess it was just like a send-off for her. Oh. Like a tasteful send-off. That said, that didn't, it who didn't knows? feel like it. It felt like a cliffhanger. It felt like, oh, she's... My be- because what does Heimdall say to her? He says, like... What does he say? He's like, it's like we can like revel in the halls of Valhalla. You know, some like shit like that. I don't know. He said something that like made me... Maybe I was just projecting because yeah. I wanted her to not be dead. Um, I thought he said something that I took as like we have work to do or something, but I know I don't think so. Well, obviously you didn't say that, but I just anyway. Yeah, I'm disappointed that Jane gets one movie to be like a hero, and that is how, it. How do you feel about the ending with okay. <laughs> because this is a funny trope that's becoming a thing? Well, I, I this is what I told Lucas after we got out of the theater is that. Okay, so Thor ends up, Gore resurrects his daughter, and he doesn't want to do it at first because he's like, I don't want to be her, I don't want her to be alone because he was dying. And Thor was like, she's not going to be alone. So Thor basically adopts Gore's daughter. Which I actually think, in concept, not bad. And of course, the actress that plays the daughter is Chris Hemsworth's actual kid. Which is... Sort of adorable. Which is adorable. But I am sort of tired of the adoptive, reluctant adoptive father-daughter relationships in specifically superhero movies because this is going to be a rant, but I think that it's sexist (laughs) because women like you don't see any mother son films in this sort of vein because women are just expected to take care of children and that's not like a marvel but good pun no not a pun that's it but when guys do it it's like cute and adorable you know when you were explaining this to me i started off slightly dismissive Mm mm-hmm but after a moment, I was like, oh my God, she's completely right. I know I'm right. <laughs> like, oh God. I mean, like, the overall concept, I'm not, like, against, you know? I think it does, like, lo- like Logan, even Mandalorian. Yeah. Not- Logan, Mandalorian, The Last of Us. Which is getting adapted. I with mean, Pedro Pascal. I can think of, like, so many more. Yeah, it's God of War. I mean, like, it's all of these fucking... Like games or movies or TV shows are doing like some riff on it hilariously all right around the same time, mm-hmm. which 
I have mixed feelings about. It's not an overall deal breaker for me. I think it's a fun way for like Gore's like presence sort of remain, and for having love being this uh, like constant reminder of sorts of like what Gore's ideology was could work in my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with her. I I was sort of surprised the way at the end there's like a scene of her and Thor and he's making her breakfast and then they go off and start like fighting a bunch of bad guys. They're like protecting a village. Was there even a village? Yeah, there was. I don't know. I just was surprised. It was like, you see those guys over there? They're hiding from those guys over there. (laughs) Like, it was the joke. Oh, right. Yeah. I was just, I don't know. That felt weird to me that he was like. Taking her out. Having her fight with him. And she was building Stormbreaker. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And of course, the big stinger at the end is that we're getting Hercules. Yeah. With fucking Roy. With fucking Roy. (laughs) Which, honestly. We were like the only people in the theater who were like, yeah. Yeah, we start, I, I was like, Roy. And nobody else responded. <laughs> it was just us. Which, you know, they were fucking awesome. And he looks the part, too. Yeah. And like, Hercules. Mwah. Also, um, this I like, I like that Russell Crowe being Zeus isn't like a bit part. Like, he's probably going to stick around. And I didn't really care for... Apparently, he wasn't Zeus. originally Zeus in Taika Waititi's like original write-ups. He was they changed it to Zeus at request of Marvel, but it still worked sort of in the direction they want to go. He was going to be Satan. Oh my god! <laughs> Which sort of makes sense that they but they they're projecting that sort of like apathetic god onto or like careless god onto like the actual pantheons, which is why I was alluding to earlier. But why? But Gore is the perfect villain for that. And so why would they not do that in this movie? But now Thor understands where Gore's coming from. Okay, so now so now Thor with Gore's sort of ideology is going to go after in other the, bad gods? In the same way, or act as sort of like that one beacon of hope. You know? He is the ideal. And it's going to be... Well, but he, I mean, he kind of fucked up <laughs> <laughs> I mean Val uh, or what is what is Asgard, Asgard. has Asgard. turned into, into a, a tourist <laughs> which destination that's funny. that's funny very funny I love King Valkyrie and they but... have doing an Old Spice commercial they had like Avengers they, the Infinity Scoops was like an ice cream store in the background yeah anyway but... my big takeaway from Thor is that I didn't think it was funny. What what made Ragnarok so good is the other Thor movies weren't comedic. So yeah. it was very surprising that then this movie was funny and they didn't give away any jokes. Yeah. And there were like there were good stakes in this film, but I think the stakes didn't impact Thor enough. And that's yeah. what frustrated me. Because like when the kids were taken, that's like the big, oh my God, we have to save the children that have been kidnapped. Yeah. I want he, to see more gods getting butchered. But Thor didn't, I didn't feel like he had like a lot of urgency that the fucking kids were kidnapped. He was like yeah. making jokes and being like. Quippy. Quippy. And I was like, 
what? Like you're not worried Literally about the all children? Of his guardian children were kidnapped. <laughs> the future species. It, yeah, I mean, a bit, bit fucking wild. I mean, there was definitely some holes that came from, I think, some editing issues. That said, I'm still, I still lean more positive. For me, it's low mid tier MCU. What? Okay, this is actually a good. This is a good reference point of the Phase Four films. What is what is your favorite one so far? Okay, what what defines that is, Phase Four? That is um, post post Far From Home to present. It's No Way Home for me. Still, yes, No Way Home's the best. Shang Chi's second, and I don't fucking. I think Doctor Strange and then Thor. Uh, no Way Home is 100% number one. No Way Home is fucking incredible. I, that movie was. You you walked out and you're like, that's the best movie in the MCU. Yeah, I I stand by that. I think it's <laughs> I think it's my number one. Um, I think. As I definitely think it... it's better than Eternals. I had more fun with it. Okay, I personally liked Eternals. And it sounds like a lot of people hated it. I I actually, I'm, I think the hatred of Marvel shit and like blockbusters is too overblown. Because like the lowest scene this goes for me is like a C. You know? The lowest. Like. Internals or all the movies? Of like all the Marvel shit. It's all tolerable like block, like popcorn filmmaking. At worst, it's like a low like seventy percent, you know. Anyway, I I really like Eternals, and I don't understand what everybody's problem with it with it is. Like, I have issues. Like, I think it should have been at least two movies. Like, a lot happened in one movie. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I think that Shang Chi is like definitely at the bottom for me. I really, but it was, Ooh, I can hear Jared. Sorry, screaming I'm at sorry, it. Jared. <laughs> My issues with it are not okay. I can't say that though. I think Black Widow is the worst of the current run. No, I think Thor is the worst. Okay, well there you go. Thor is the worst. I think it's I think it's Thor, Black Widow, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, Eternals. What are the Uh, Doctor Strange or No Way Home? So Doctor Strange, No Way Home. Did I I like? Yeah, I yeah, I think that's my list. (laughs) We'll keep adding to it. Um, Shall we continue moving on? I feel like this is a good jumping off place for Thor. Yes. Um. Onto what I described on the last podcast with Jared as what is most likely to be my favorite show of the year. Stranger Things season four. I don't think anything is going to beat it for me because it gave me a panic attack. <laughs> well, I will forever, I'm pretty sure I've said this before on the podcast, but I will forever be smug that I made you oh, watch Stranger yes. Things when we first started dating because you... We bonded over Stranger Things well, and Daredevil. I brought it up. I was like, have you watched Stranger Things? And I remember you being like, 
no, I don't want to watch it. I'm, I'm, I don't think it's my thing. I'm not interested or whatever. And I made you watch it. And now it's great. It's would fucking you say amazing. it's one of your favorite shows? I mean, I, I definitely think, barring like an incredible show being released this year, it'll be my favorite show at least this year. Yeah. Okay. So this season was amazing. <laughs> it was fantastic. I. Gosh, I love Stranger Things so much. I do think I do, and I want to make this abundantly clear because this is going to be very separate from the Thor discussion. We're mostly focusing on negatives. We'll probably be very positive. Stranger Things Four has its issues. Some plot lines are much more important than others. Well, okay, it's always more fun to talk about things that you don't like. It is, but so, in this case, I think we'll be able to talk about a lot of stuff that we do. Okay, so for okay, I sort of think in chronological. So let's just start with like first episode. The things that stood out to me about this season, and I think stood out to fucking everybody, was how terrifying it was. (laughs) And Vecna is a great villain. Well, just the I mean, it's the that episodes that can't speak. That episode ends with Chrissy's very brutal death. Chrissy, wake up. Chrissy, wake up. <laughs> I don't like this. That's a great... <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure we were like... We were... Screaming. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not what we expected. Like, Stranger Things got into like some like light body horror. Yeah. In the last season. With like the people melting. Yeah. But that was like so outlandish that you're like, oh, ugh. I was this, not expecting it. In this, it was like breaking bones, eyes popping, where it's not just like a person like falling to the ground and disappearing. It was... Well, okay. It was one of those things that I love about watching like TVs and movies. There's people talking loudly. We apologize. <laughs> Continue, Kate. Um, where you like see something for the first time and you're not expecting it. And there's like nothing that can... Like, you can't relive that feeling ever. And that's That's what I love about, like, a theater experience, too. That's what happened when we watched that episode where we were, like, absolutely horrified. But in, in, like, such a way that it made me really excited. That sounds weird. No, no. But it's, like, it's such a, it's such an evocative moment. Yeah. And it, you know, stakes are sort of difficult in Stranger Things because they're kids and nobody wants anybody to die. Yeah. But that was like, oh my gosh, the consequences are just going up. Yeah. And that's what you need to do in, in a I talked story. With, I talked about this briefly with Jared. I think, once again, spoilers abound. Yes. <laughs> um, no major characters bite the bullet. At least on paper. Max is still technically alive at the end of the season. Well, okay. What? But, but, you're but, you're but, jumping no, no, ahead. No, no, no. But quickly, but quickly. The thing with Chrissy and like the and Vecna was that it gave high stakes despite the fact that like everyone ended up making it out. It just like felt like, oh, this is like way more dangerous. Well, and I you jumped, but specifically it felt more dangerous because Max. Yeah. And there was one character in immediate jeopardy. Talk about um, a TV moment that <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget is <laughs> when so she was running from Vecna, and of course, running up that hill has become you know back on the number one charts because of that scene. Yep. And 
it was just like magical. I think I and t- I th- did not. This is why it was so good. Is I didn't know if she was gonna make it out. Yeah. There was that fucking genius like ten seconds of black cut right before you see that she made it out. Where we thought the episode ended. Because I was completely confident. I was like, they're not going to... None of the kids... They're not going to kill the kids. Yeah. And, well, jumping ahead again, they did technically kill her. Yeah, they did. Um, But then Eleven brings her back, which... Eh. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I was sobbing. Yeah. Just as I did at the end of last season when Hopper died. And in Billy quotes. Died. And Billy... I don't know if I cried when Billy died. Oh, I got ch- I got choked up. I can't good remember. Old, good, good redemption self-sacrifice always gets me. <laughs> the, um, no, but I like, the, I told you this, I think after volume one was done, but like, I think in Bad Boys, in the 90s, Will Smith, freshly off of Fresh Prince, mm-hmm. goes, does a Michael Bay film. He's a comedic sitcom actor at that point. Mm-hmm. But there's a shot in Bad Boys where, I, whatever the fuck, the other, the other guy on Bad Boys, mm-hmm. like the more co- comedian-centric, Will Smith the straight man, mm-hmm. there is a scene of Will Smith sprinting down the street with this epic, like stereotypical, like Michael Bay, like camera pan up to him. Mm-hmm. And he has this super determined face and he's going to rescue his best friend. That moment made Bill Smith... A movie. Set. Bill Smith <laughs> <laughs> made made Will Smith made Will Smith a fucking movie star. That moment did. It was such a special thing where like the circumstances aligned. You had a character doing something awesome that was paid off to the movie. I mean, like Bad Boys is still looked back as like a great action blockbuster, mm-hmm. and that was like his break into that part of the industry. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the Fresh Prince anymore, so it. I felt like that was Sadie Sink. I think she's going to be a fucking superstar. Well, she's already I'm, done a bunch of good stuff. I don't know. I I think Sadie Sink is amazing. And I I won't make any predictions about her career. I mean, I'm sure she people are calling her agent like we want her and we on everything. Oh yeah. And but what I think it did is put Sadie Sink and Max from Stranger Things at Probably not the same level, but a similar level to Eleven yeah. and well, I was Millie about, Bobby Brown. I was about to liken it to like what happened with Millie Bobby Brown after Stranger Things came out. Yeah. Where which, people were like, this woman is incredible. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Max will get up there necessarily, but like she's she's close. She's going to be a superstar. Um, but I think like all the kids' performance in this season was great. Um, I mean, I can't call them kids anymore. They're adults. They're like 20. <laughs> um, and I think that Nancy or uh, Natalie Dreyer? Dyer. Dyer. I think Natalia. she did amazing as always. Yeah, she's great. Um, Who's the weakest performance? I know immediately. <laughs> Jonathan. Yes. I want him to die in the last season of Stranger Things. So I still Steve. have a soft spot for Jonathan. I do realize in hindsight how really creepy it was that he was taking pictures of Nancy while she that's weird but it's weird I still have a soft spot for Jonathan I just think Steve's better okay well for yeah I think obviously they are alluding towards Steve and Nancy reconnecting 
If but, Steve fucking bites it in the last season, I am going to be so upset. Yeah. I think that it's definitely in next season, they're going to have to make more of a place for Jonathan. Because right now, he doesn't really have one. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still think he still, did a good I, job, though. I think the strongest part of Jonathan is his relationship with Will. And they only played on that like a bit this season. Yeah, well, I, and I think that's going to come more to the forefront. Yeah. Because Will wasn't really a big player in this season. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I want to quickly say, before we get too deep into, like, the characters and all that, I think what made, back to, like, the episode four, Stuff with Max and the running up the hill scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that episode was just, like, this building of tension through the whole thing. That's the same episode where there was the police raid. On, well, the first... Or the military raid on... um. On Will's house. Yeah. The which first, was an okay. awesome scene. So, I mean, it builds up with Vecna. Like, there's a victim in each episode. Yeah. And then it gets to Max. And we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Will and... Why can't I remember his Mike. name? Will, Mike, Jonathan, and then in Argyle. Argyle end up having to deal with the military that's coming after... 11. 11. Because they think and she's, the one thought, do, she's the one killing people. Right. I thought that scene where they're, where Joyce's house gets fucking Des- shot up. Destroyed. I thought that was such a good scene. If if the scene with Max was like an episode later, mm-hmm. that would be like the defining moment of that episode. It was so good. And, and that's was, where I think... one take. I think that's where Jonathan shined a lot. Um... Also, talk about great comedic timing. There's like this intense shootout, and they, they cut to Argyle listening to reggae, driving up, being like, "Why well, I parked in the driveway, man?" I like you don't do you not like Argyle? I was perfectly fine with him. People okay. fucking hate Argyle. I like him. The internet hates Argyle, and it blows my mind. I thought he was like very effective comedic relief. I think it's because they just don't like Jonathan, and so they don't like Argyle yeah. by proxy. Yeah. But. I did, yeah. They were fun. Those were fun characters. But I think part of the like the four stories going on at the same time, you stuck with the characters that you cared about more. By far, somebody did the math. The Russia storyline mm-hmm. and specifically the California storyline have by far the least screen time. Which makes sense. I mean, the Complete. center the center is Hawkins. Yeah, it's Hawkins and the lab stuff with Eleven have... By far more screen time than the other two. Oh, because there was so much. Yeah, there was so much. Um, that was mostly in volume one. Would you call it? Flashbacks? I wouldn't call them flashbacks. Like, but it was backstory. It was, yeah, backstory. Yeah. yeah. Which I. Once again, we're talking about good retcons in Thor. Great retcon. Well, I'll talk about my. Uh, we can talk about that later. Let's just keep talking about like positive things, because uh, I have some negative Uh-oh. feelings about. But I I thought that the backstory was very strong. Um, I like that they went back to Kid Eleven and explained like sort of what happened in the hospital in the lab in the the lab. lab. Um, Great way to get the uh, other kids off the table. Yes, (laughs) I I would be interested to know if they ever go back to eight or what. But um. Yeah, they got rid of the other kids. But I, I thought that was awesome. My least favorite storyline, I think, was 
Russia. I think it had very strong moments, but overall was the weakest. I just think it took away... It had the least to do with the rest. I just think it took away a lot from... Like, I, I found myself, when they would switch to Russia, be like, no, I want to go back to Hawkins. And I feel like 90% of the time, that was true. The gladiator fight was fucking cool. Yeah. Like, that was just fun. In the same, like, we're talking about popcorn movies. Like, that was, like, the popcorn movie cutaway of, like, now we're going to see Hopper with a bunch of Russian, like, prisoners taking on Demogorgon. Like, that was, I thought that was fun, but that was so... And then I think even like the cutaways to them in volume two with like the flamethrower and stuff Mm -hmm. was fun, but just the other shit was so good. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I also appreciate that they were making again, higher stakes for Joyce Hopper and Murray. Yeah. Because I mean, I didn't know how they were going to get out of there and things kept going wrong. And so, you know, but I, yeah, I just wanted to get back to the kids. You know, I do think one thing that the Russia stuff does well, and I think it's an overall benefits there being so many different branching stories, mm-hmm. was they did the fucking uh, the Infinity War is the best example of it. The the writing trick where there's constant up and down. You know, right? I think you saw that with the Max stuff in Episode Four specifically. I mean, like right at the end of uh, Volume Two in the episode in Episode Nine. Holy shit! Like, the up and down of that last, like, 30 minutes was crazy. Yeah, and I think Hopper had some good... I mean, David Harbour is an amazing actor. Yeah. So um, I Jared's re- first fucking podcast on Old Heart Radio is a Hopper quote. Coffee and Contemplation. <laughs> he loves it. That said, um, I actually wanted to ask you this a moment ago. Hmm. Jared is in camp. Hopper should have just died. I am not... Hmm. I I don't know. Yeah. I think that I think that if he was gonna die, maybe just not in that season. In yeah. se- what was that season? Season three. Season three. I think maybe like in a season four or the last season or something like that. Yeah. I I was devastated when hopper quote unquote died i was bawling because i love i just love hopper but i do think in stranger things they have a little bit too much of people dying and then not actually being dead interesting because that's what the duffer brothers said that they're like so they said something about that they were asked about this on a podcast recently Mm -hmm. and they said that i think i mentioned this to you at some point recently, but they were essentially saying we're in like a post Game of Thrones world where shock value and like the metrics used to judge your show is your willingness to to kill main characters sometimes. Right. And they're like, this is Hawkins, not Westeros. We want there to be stakes without necessarily having to kill, kill characters that people love. And I was like, that's stupid. I have very. I can completely understand where they're coming from, though, right? I can completely understand. I do disagree to a point. That's I. That frustrates me. I think that they're coming at it from like not every season has to be the red wedding, but I no. want somebody to die. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that like people should be chopped up left and right. Yeah. But that completely devalues 
your story. Yeah. I mean, like, if Max had actually died... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Because I understand it's emotional. Yeah. Like, I think when we ended season three and Hopper died, I was like, I don't want to ever watch this show again. <laughs> but then you'd watch it, right? But of course I would. Yeah. It's just... It was I, a gut punch. I think that's them treating the audience too carefully. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, like, we pa- I had to go to the bathroom while we were watching. Mm-hmm. So I paused it right after the portal opened in Hawkins. The big-ass portal. And I was like, Max is dead. The upside down is coming to the real world. Like, we took, like, five minutes right then. So I could go take a piss and then have a glass of water. And... I was like, it settled in. I was like, oh my god, they fucking killed Max and Eddie. And I was, uh, I was like, oh well, this is it. This we fucking. I can't believe they did it. Only for them to come back and weirdly bring Max back. Yeah, I. Which seemed like a reach. When when, because I mean, I was confident, and so probably was everybody else, that they're not gonna kill the kids. Yeah. And so the fact that she actually died i was that but that's good because it was like oh my god this is real i gotta give it to caleb mclaughlin oh my god he, he did so good oh god and also i mean also sadie sink again her fucking bleeding of all of her limbs broken that was that was very horrific when she, when her arms and legs started breaking i was like uh but i am okay the they were like it's it it was unclear whether or not she was dying and i i thought maybe she was just gonna go blind and then that was gonna be it but then she like actually died i I don't i really don't like that 11 was somebody said 11 was jesus and like brings her back i really don't like that yeah but i also it's a bit too much power lucas was confident i don't know if you still are that she's just gonna be brain dead? I don't think so. Well, they sort of allude to that. I don't think so. Did I th- well, you know what I'm talking about where Eleven goes into her mind again, right? And it's just a black void. Right. But I don't think that she will be because why would they even bother to bring her back? So I want to bring up a couple things before we bring bring this home with Stranger Things. So wait, wait. I okay. First, okay. before so, you start, I start I want to I want to talk about. My biggest problem with Stranger Things, and I want to—I want us to speculate what's going to happen next cool. season. Yeah, perfect. Speculation okay. ties into what I was going to say. What's your biggest issue with Stranger Things for? Okay, my biggest problem is it's very obvious that from the beginning they didn't know what the story was going to be. Yeah. And I—I I mean, like, it's not as egregious as like the Star Wars sequel trilogy. But it's still like a bit. Yeah. I They did enough patchwork for it to work for me, though. Well, I think a lot of shows sort of end up being like this. I mean, they're not like set in stone. They're fluid and, you know, they sort of play off of... That way you can like read how audiences are yeah, reacting yeah. and sort of play off of that. Which even like the most rigid of like franchises, like we were just talking about Marvel, apparently are relatively flexible with how stuff turns out. Right. Like that that is something that's built in. But like you can sort of tell when this wasn't the plan. Yeah. Like I think 
I think Vecna one is a really good villain. It's a great villain. But he was a hundred percent not the villain for the first three seasons. Yeah. Which they're doing the whole thing of like, oh, he was the particles, the mind flare, how he, he was there the whole time, but they sort of have to like explain. Yeah. Anyway, the mind flare was the explanation. The mind flare particles create the hive mind. Yeah, which and he, he had which he, he controls. He had like an affinity for spiders, and that's why it showed up as like a big spider thing. Yeah. To Will or whatever, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but talk about amazing, amazing performances. I think. Sorry. Um, I think. What is his name? Bauer? Uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer. I think he did great as Vecna. Yeah. What was it? Oh, fuck. Come I on. totally called... You did. I, I didn't call... You called that he was Vecna. Neither of us called that it was... Uh, no, I did. I did. You called that he was the kid? Yeah. Remember I said he didn't die. Or like he like passed out and they made that a big like... I called it before... Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I called it. I called it. But anyway, my like I said, my big problem with Stranger Things is that it was, I think, kind of struggling to find the main story. Yeah. And I can't, I can't, like, I, I still I can't love fault it. it that I much. still love it. You know but... what? I, you know what I think matters more is that they obviously, like, you are defined mostly by how you start and how you end. And the start of Stranger Things is fucking fantastic. And it's been pretty good through the middle. And now they have season four. They obviously are setting themselves up for a big fifth season. Right. And they obviously know where they're going. So, I think... Let's get into some speculation stuff. The Upside Down is leaking into the real world at the end of the... At literally the last shot. Right. There's no hide in this shit anymore. There's a fucking TV helicopter looking at red thunder coming out of the ground. What did they say it was? They said it was like an earthquake or something? They said it was an earthquake. But obviously it's not a fucking earthquake. No, but you know, they're gonna... <laughs> That's the cover-up. The um, So I want to bring up two specific theories. One of which is getting a lot of play. Eddie's not actually dead. Oh, He's yeah. going to be a vampire that becomes like Vecna's right-hand man because that's a D&D thing. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> See, here's where I was just talking about people dying and not actually being dead. I knew that's where you were I think about. that I would... I don't know how I would feel because, of course, everybody loves Eddie. So, the, like... Uh, the breakout character of the season. Yeah. More so than any of the disposable side characters from the last couple seasons. So, I don't know. I think it would be really fun yeah. to, like, add another sort of layer to the villain or yeah. whatever to have Eddie there. And this and the D D character ends up turning on Vecna by the end of the story. Okay, so I I don't know. That would be fun. It'd be fun. It's also incredibly predictable. Yeah. So um, that makes exactly because people are predicting it so outright, I think that they're not gonna do that because yeah. they don't want to do something that is expected. Here's the other one. Which I think is much more fun. Max's mind is a blank space. Um, people are thinking Vecna is going to possess Max. Mm. And it's sort of like how he possessed Will in season two. 
but make her like a central conduit for it again. Maybe. And they're sort of playing off of the fact that her mind's a blank space and she died while connected with him. So. So is she still there in some capacity? I don't don't know. know. TBD. So, I I mean, obviously Max is going to have a role. Otherwise, they would have just killed her. Yeah. So, I'm not exactly sure what that is yet. But I don't think that she... I think that some part of her is still there. Yeah. That they will eventually save. Um. So, yeah. I don't think Max is completely gone. But... Who, We're, what I think is gonna, my biggest prediction is that I think Eleven at the end of the last season is going to die. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of practical reasons, like, how, I'm really interested to see how they end it because I, how do these kids go on to live normal lives yeah, after this? So I think I, Eleven especially has no practical place in a real world at this point it's almost to the extent of like are they gonna have to pull a legion what do you mean like they just fucking like the like they do some time traveler shit and at the end of the show it's just them being like we're just never going to exist the way we did oh yeah didn't didn't i say something about like right after the season ended i said something about maybe time travel yeah oh because the upside down is in the past yeah which they well, actually that's a very good point they set that up, and then nothing really came. Yeah, out. so I mean, time travel could be a thing, maybe, yeah. um, because I don't. They made that a big thing, and nothing came of it. So yeah, I would be interested to see what they do with that. Um, yeah, so maybe I don't know. They could just erase like the big hole. What do? Yeah, what if eleven just never existed? Well, I don't think they're gonna go that far back. What if she never sent fucking. Jim Campbell Bauer to what the other I don't think they're gonna go that far back I don't know what the deal is gonna be none of us know all they say is gonna it's gonna be a Return of the King style ending what does that mean like Lord of the Rings like a big war yeah okay well that makes sense akin to Thor 11 Thunder all the kids get 11's powers well I think they're gonna do like what they always do where (laughs) they're like okay well you guys have to fight while we do this to set up this so then we can do this yeah. to then save everybody, you know? Yep. Um, but anyway, I think Eleven is going to die. Yeah. You know, actually, I want to give him credit. Uh, satisfying deaths where it matters. Fuck Jason. I'm happy he got melted. Yeah, fuck for, Jason. Melted in half. Fuck Jason. Brutal. Brutal. But I didn't feel bad. We saw his... I, his, I have a little bit of sympathy for him. But, I do. Because, you know, his girlfriend died a very brutal death and you know but he was not a great guy yeah um so bringing it home a couple little news things we and i will discuss these further with jared but just for some quick thoughts we gotta talk about them because they we keep trailers and news keep popping up we'll do a couple we'll do a couple trailers first um black panther wakanda forever trailer just dropped it looks it looks Amazing. great. Uh, Ryan Coogler is an incredible director. You don't get much narrative. We get a lot of cinematography. A lot of stuff to build off of. Obviously Atlantis and Namor the Submariner are playing into it. Mm-hmm. The 
big theory was that there's going to be a war between Wakanda and Atlantis. And it looks like that's true. Looks like that's looks like it's true. We get to see Riri Williams, Ironheart. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, I read you a synopsis a while, like a few days ago. And it seems like that seems legit. is very yeah. So I, we no don't don't say it because I don't yeah, want. I won't. I won't. But I mean, like in looking at it, what 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 stood out to you? What was like you watched it and you were like sort of taken aback for a moment. Um, I'm excited to see Riri Williams. I think that having especially the black women at the center of this film is going to be like just fucking amazing. It's yeah. going to be powerful. It's going to be seems like heartbreaking. A, seems like a good homage to T'Challa. Something obviously happened and they're... It, Seems like probably the best way for them to get around like Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman passing away. He's died in the yeah. film. That, that, uh, that seems very obvious. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm excited that Shuri is going to be the Black Panther. Yeah. I have my problems with that actress because apparently she's an asshole. But, yeah. um, and I'm excited that the... I don't know anything about this Atlantis... The, what is the guy's Namer name? Namor the Submariner. I don't know anything about him, but it seems like from the trailer that it's very Aztec inspired. Yeah. And that seems... Like Central American. That seems very exciting. Yeah. I... Yeah. I love it when like characters and like art and film has a very distinctive identity. And that is definitely one that I, I like respect what appears to be their commitment to, to a style. Yeah. So, I mean... Namor's a huge character in the comics. He predates Aquaman by like 10 years. So it's like, while that is sort of already a thing we've seen in cinema recently, I'm excited to see a very like distinctive and stylized take. Yeah, it seems, that's what I was worried about when you told me about this Atlantis. And I was like, okay, is it going to be very... Like Aquaman. Aquaman. But it seems like very unique. And in the same way that they really bought into like uh, like the Afrofuturism element of Wakanda, mm-hmm. which is already like I didn't fucking know about like this whole like art style that had been developed for Black Panther that they like it had existed to a point, but they really fleshed it out during the pre-development of that film. Might as well take something in that direction, make like especially who who the fuck's expecting Central America for Atlantis? Well, even just the shots of them, like okay, if I said to you, imagine um a group of people that live underwater. You have a very like preset like oh, Mermaid. this is what I'm imagining. They're like mer people, lots of fish scales or whatever. Yeah. That's not what this looks like. They look like uh, like there's actually like a beautifully shot scene of like a baby getting born yeah. underwater. I mean like That was amazing. I I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, like, Ryan Coogler's phenomenal. You know the other stuff he's done, probably. Remind me. I'm bad um, at names of directors. Uh, something Station. He did the Creed movies. Okay. He, um, he's did bun- he did a bunch of TV. He's done, a, like, a few drama-type things. He did the first Black Panther, which is only failed by CGI. I, I love that movie. It's a, good, it's a great it's, movie. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. I'm, I'm really excited for Wakanda Forever. We also got a trailer for She-Hulk. Yeah, talking about uh, wonky CGI. Looks better. It looks so much better, and for a TV budget, I'm inc- I'm impressed. Once again, excited for female heroes. Yes. And I am most excited about my favorite white boy. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we get to see Daredevil again. Maddie, my boy, Maddie Murdock. I love Daredevil. I think Daredevil is my favorite Marvel thing. Yeah. So I'm really excited for him to be back. Which it looks like Daredevil's turning into the Phil Coulson of Phase Four. Yeah, he's like popping up. He's like Wong popping up everywhere. And Wong was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, we're getting, we got Daredevil and Spider-Man. He's going to be in She-Hulk. We already know he's going to be in Echo with Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting his own series. Like He's going to be in Spider-Man freshman year, the animated I, He show. deserves it. I'm excited. I like it. Charlie Cox is phenomenal. Now, all we need is... The apparent Jessica Jones that's going to be in She-Hulk to also come. come I out also the love Kristen Ritter. That's her Lit- name. Yeah, that's her name. <laughs> I did see. Actually, this is funny. I did see a statement where it was like apparently, like the Marvel execs are trying to get back the original Netflix actors, but they're a bit iffy on getting the Iron Fist guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which he's like, honestly. I don't think he's that bad. I think no, he's they just failed need, by everything else. They just need Colleen. Oh, she's so good. They just need Colleen. They should just cut him and get Colleen. But she's already... Is she in the Marvel? No, she's not. I thought they like... She She, she was going to be in Shang-Chi. Else. Okay. But she decided to be in that really shitty Matrix movie. Oh, yeah. So Ooh. she couldn't be in Shang-Chi. She has like blue hair in that. <laughs> um, she's playing like a resurrected Trinity, if I'm remembering right. Anyway, we have to. Can we not talk about Marvel and talk about Avatar really quick? Yes, that's how I was gonna bring. That's how I was gonna wrap up the episode. Okay. We knew about Avatar Studios. Yes, and when, we knew stuff was brewing. We knew stuff was brewing. Um, the original creators of Avatar left the Netflix production, citing creative differences. Slight red flag. Still looks pretty good. But the cast looks so amazing that I am. I'm we will completely down. Watch it. <laughs> but, uh, probably, I'm a hundred percent watching it. Yeah. The um. But then they were like, "Hey, we started Avatar Studios. We're gonna uh, we're developing a feature film. They said multiple feature films and a couple TV series in partnership with Nickelodeon Viacom. So we knew that something was coming. A few years ago, when this was announced, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if we went back. Jared and I are both like, they're gonna do the gang as adults. It's such an easy selling point. It's so much of like what people want to see." They're doing it. Well, I, you know, that seems like the obvious next step, but there just wasn't any talk about, I mean, they were talking about Kiyoshi movie, which they're still doing. It was announced by the court, the woman who played Korra. But, but now they're, I'm shocked, honestly. It came out of nowhere. I did not think... I thought that they wanted to sort of distance themselves from the original um, I think they crew. will, though. Yeah, I, I don't think that this is going to be, like, a lasting, you know. But I'm so excited. I I just... Ugh. Talk about one of my favorite pieces of media. Yeah. I... I'm so excited. I don't even know what else to say other than just, I'm so excited. I don't know what they're going to do in terms of like a story, like what I want to see. The only thing that comes to mind that sort of plays into Legend of Korra is the Red Lotus, <clears throat> which theoretically would they like in Legend of Korra as if they were hinting towards it. Nothing really came of it. Zaheer says, 
We were started by such and such. He was a member of the Red Lotus or of the White Lotus that hated that after the Hundred Years War, they came out of hiding. So maybe we'll see that guy. Yeah, that that makes sense. I But that all depends on the age of the gang. Because some of those characters would have to end up being Yeah, I think the actress who played Cora, who announced it, said she knew the specific ages, but she wasn't like allowed to say yet. I think they implied young adults. Yeah. Which Um, makes sense. But I'm, I'm excited because, I mean, there are comics that sort of talk about the post, uh, fire Lord story, which I've read a few of and they're interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, they're still really young. And so I'm excited to see them as older, like, Because I appreciate what Korra could do because she was an older um, Yeah, there seemed like a bit... In the same way that... And this is actually something I think they're continuing to play off of. In the same way that in Stranger Things, the kids have grown up, so the shit's grown up a bit more. Yeah. uh, Legend of Korra was this natural progression with the age of audiences. Because it was like three years after The Last Airbender ended. 2014, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. And they started getting into some heavier shit right away in that show. Like some politics and that type of stuff. So, I mean, I'm excited to see if they continue that progression. Maybe, say, eight years on from the end of Korra. Maybe that's where they start with a gang, you know? Yeah, I'm excited to see... Where they're like in their early 20s. I'm excited to see them take on some, like, bigger problems. I'm excited to see... Because, like, there's a lot of questions about Sokka and, like, what he does. Suki dies young. Suki dies young. Okay, yeah, we know about Suki dying, and so, like... Toph and Sokka are gonna fuck! Babe, don't. What? That's gross. I believe. I believe. I mean, there is a theory that Sokka is the father of Toph's kids, because we don't know. On one side. On one side. Because they say the name of uh, Sue's... Or no, Lin's parents. Oh, do they? Lin's, Lin's dad's named Kanto, which they said was a Pokemon reference. <laughs> but, so we know that that was just, and Toph's like, it didn't work out when she's like an old lady. Like, yeah. It didn't work out. We went our separate ways. And, but then they never say who Sue's parents see, are. See, honestly, the people that I'm most excited to see are Zuko, Toph, and Sokka. Yeah. Which. Zuko's the best character like ever. I think the reason <laughs> I think the reason I feel that way is because Aang and Katara are we get a lot more about Aang and Katara even in Legend of Korra. Well, but I don't think that's why. I think it's because I am so attached to them yeah. that I don't want their story to be fucked up. Yeah. And you know, in Korra we sort of see a side of Aang that is not so positive. And that made it's not necessarily me, negative either. Well, yeah, but that made me upset. Yeah, and I mean, I understand and I appreciate that Aang is like a more complex character than just you know. It's adulthood. But I'm nervous about. That. <laughs> well, I think I don't know. It's the Luke Skywalker thing. It's why I think the Last Jedi gets too much shit. It's like, yeah, your heroes are going to be a bit flawed. And we just sort of have to live with that. Oh, are we going to see... Sorry, I, this just popped <laughs> in my head. Are we going to see May Listeners, and... uh, Kate's eyes 
shot open. Are we going to see May and uh, what's the other girl's name? Ty Lee? Ty Lee. Maybe with the Kyoshi Warriors we'll see Ty Lee. Because in the comics, the Kyoshi Warriors become Zuko's bodyguard. Bodyguards. But we don't know for sure who Zuko ends up May with. May breaks up with him in the comics. They're not together by the end. So we don't know who his daughter's parent is. Yeah. So that would be interesting to see. Sorry, I just remembered May and I was like, oh my god, May, love May. Yeah, May and Tylee love both of them. Tylee's great. Oh, I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, but what would, what else would we want to see out of this? Because like Avatar Studios is it's happening. Like, I want them to like really dive into the past, you know? Give us some like early avatars. Like, I think the strongest part of the worst season of Korra is the stuff with Avatar 1 where they changed the art style for a couple episodes. I don't know. I don't think they should. Not with him necessarily, but like diving into like different eras of, of that world where there's stuff that's recognizable but not necessarily the same. But... That... Com- I, no. What do, you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because that... I think... I think that there's a lot that needs to be explained in the world of like the time of Angkatara whatever between them and then Korra's world yes but give me if they're pumping out a bunch of shit you know maybe on the movie side fill that gap because oh I thought I thought you meant with this movie with Angkatara in general okay like with this production studio existing like what is like something that you would dream of like getting for me it's stuff in like the deep history of that world I'm excited about Kyoshi. Um, hard R. I don't think it's going to be a hard R. I'm excited about Kyoshi. I mean, they could always just do a storyline of a past Avatar. and. I, I think we talked about this when I was watching Avatar for the first time during COVID. I'm honestly less interested in that. Well, yeah. But... When, we were talking about, when we were talking about this, before any of this was announced... We got super into Avatar during COVID with everyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, this is like ripe for anthology. In the same way that Korra was supposed to be just one season. But here, here is also how, how I feel. Is I always worry about too much of a good thing. Yes. So I almost like... Maybe they do a batch of movies. Maybe they do a batch of shows. But There I, needs to be good spacing. But I feel like it doesn't need to really go beyond that. I do genuinely think that the only way that this is will keep people not from getting burned out is they need to really commit to like the shared world anthology stuff where there are specific narratives that play together, but you can do stylistically very different things whenever you want. You know what I would love is a, I can't remember the name of it, but what they did with the Star Wars. Visions. With Visions. I would love if they did that. Not necessarily different like art styles, but just like different one-off stories. Yeah. Maybe like five episodes, you know? Yeah. Tell like a like an Obi Wan like the Obi Wan series like that length. I would be more interested in that rather than like. 
two two whole new shows yeah. or something. Yeah, I mean, like, keep it isolated. If they get, like, obviously, if they get, like, a great idea for a, for another, like, a series, fucking run with it. But it's about, it depends on, like, the cadence that they're producing stuff. But if you're making good stuff, it's then about just avoiding burnout and avoiding, like, audience apathy. Well, and I think about, like, I think that Avatar is a fantastic series for kids to watch even now but i just think it's difficult to then be like oh well yeah there's like how many seasons of avatar are there for three with cora there's seven seasons you don't mean like all together if you combine everything I don't know. I just think about a kid being like, okay, well, there's all of this you to start, watch. You start falling into the same trapping as the MCU. Yeah. But that's sort of also the beauty of anthology. You keep it, you gotta keep it separated. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your adventure. You don't have to have everything. Right? It's not all leading towards Infinity War and Endgame. Right. You can have your little stories. If you want to stick with the gang, go for it. Oh, cool. There's like a five-part one-shot with like Kyoshi, you know? But you don't have to necessarily do everything. So, but yeah, those are our thoughts. It was great. Well. It was a good episode. Thank you for joining us for our first matinee edition episode. The inaugural episode of matinee edition with Lucas and Kate. The 106th episode of matinee edition. (laughs) Um, So, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram. Gotta, gotta, what's what's the call to action? Follow us on Instagram. Uh, we got Twitter, Old Heart and Space. Uh, we got which Jared hopefully doesn't get the account blocked again. Uh, uh, listen on YouTube. Uh, we got YouTube. We got Spotify, iTunes. Recommend us to a friend. What's what kind of person should we be recommending to? Recommend us to a friend that has brown eyes. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a call to action. It's a call to action. It's important. It's business. Um, thanks for listening. Love you. Love you. Bye.